I have decided to end this year and start the year 2021 with a two-part series. So the final Sunday of this year, and then the first Sunday of next year, will be a series that I am entitling, The War Is On. The War Is On. If I was to subtitle this, I would subtitle it, Winning the War Within. Winning the War Within. Um, I don't know if you've gone down the rabbit trail, as I've gone down the rabbit trail probably far too many times in my life, as a video, uh, watching YouTube, and you just wanted to watch one video, and you find yourself there an hour later, and you've gone down the rabbit trail watching different funny videos or how-to videos or interesting videos, and and you stumble across from one, and then you know how it does. It's like if you like that, and five, four, three, two, one, here comes another, and so forth. One time I was watching, watching a video, and a, another one bumped up a video. It was an interesting one. It was a, a story about a man named Larry, and his wife's name was Chrissy. And they were talking about how they had loaded up their ATV, their quad, in the back of their pickup truck, and they were going out for an adventure. Now, you have to understand where they lived, it was snowy. It was very cold. And they came across a river, a really wide river, like 100 yards wide, like a really wide part of the river. They needed to cross the river to get to where the adventure was supposed to begin. Little did they know they were fixing to have an adventure in the cross over the river. And at first, they thought, well, we're going to drive the truck across the ice. Let's hit the pause button for just a second. My son-in-law, Pastor Brian, I think he's back there in the tech booth. He is uh, our online church campus pastor. He's also our campus operations pastor here at the network. But he's from the great state of Montana. There we go. There's one here. There's one. Which we appreciate Montana. But I can tell you today in what I'm about to say why Montana is so big and yet has so few people. Apparently, it's pretty common where he comes from that people in Montana do this thing called ice fishing. Now, you've heard of ice fishing before, but you go out on the ice and you cut a hole in the ice and you fish through the hole. To me, that sounds Nuts. It sounds really, really cold. Has anybody ever heard of a fish market? But I'm just going to throw that one out there. But Montana people go, no, 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 no. It's not cold because we build the fire on the ice. Therein, Pastor Brian, is my conclusion as to why the population of Montana is so small. <laughs> because, well, I digress. How do you know if the ice is thick enough for you to be able to drive on? Well, I did a little bit of research. I thought, well, that I don't believe it, but I'm reading it to you, and that's what they say. Well, Larry and, and Chrissy, they were trying to figure out if they can go across the ice or not. And they thought, well, surely it's thick enough on the video. Surely it's thick enough for us to drive our truck across the river, to get to the other side, and begin our adventure. But then they had a discussion, and I'm sure Chrissy won. And they decided they weren't going to drive the truck across. They were just going to take the ATV off the back of the truck and drive it across together because it was much safer. Seems like it would have been. But as they were going across the water, something happened. 
the ATV in the middle of the river stopped, dropped, and rolled. Not because it was on fire, but because the ice below it had broken. And now he and his wife, Larry and Chrissy, find themselves fully dressed, their coats, their boots, everything was on, found themselves unable to do the only thing that they needed to do, and that was to get out of the frozen water. You see, not only were they in the water, but the water under the ice was rushing. So they were now holding on for dear life, and if they got swept away, they were going under the solid ice, and they were going to die. What they needed to do was to climb out, but they couldn't because their fingers were so cold, so frozen, that they couldn't do anything to get themselves out. And they began to feel themselves sinking. Some of y'all are stressed out now. Remember, I watched a video of Larry and Chrissy. So they live. I'm just going to spoiler alert. They're okay. Um, But they were scared to death that they were going that they were going to die. And they said on the video, they said they realized at a certain point, this is it. We're going to die. We're going to get back to the story about Larry and Chrissy in just a few minutes. But what I can say about it is this. I can totally relate as I was watching this video to how they must have felt in that moment. And I think you can too. They were dealing with something that they felt powerless to do anything about. Now, I don't know how that hits you or how that relates to you or on what level it does, but when I, when I say the war is on, what the, really the, the war that I'm talking about, um, it, it it's really takes place in three places in our lives. The war could, could, be, could be Satan, could be the cause of this, um, uh, here's one. The, the war could be caused by, by other people in your life, so others. But number three is the war is caused by yourself. And, and here's, here's what I want to make sure that I'm very honest with you about. Oftentimes in Christian circles, in the church world, we tend to say this is the cause of, of it all. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to like let him off the hook, right? Because he is the author of evil, the father of lies. But but that one's not the. That's not the biggest problem. And as much as you like to triangulate and deflect and blame other people for your crap, it's not other people. The biggest one by far is you. So we're going to go there today. We're going to talk, and next week, today, a little broader, setting the stage, next week, very practical. Um, I think we always get the, the what at the church, but we don't always get the how. I want to make sure we get the how with this also. How do I, do I wage war and know that I'm at war and win the battle within? How do I do that? That's next week, but it starts with this week. So whether you're at home, or whether you're here live and in, in person, or you're watching this later, don't stop watching. Stay dialed in. The greatest struggle is with yourself. The greatest struggle, Paul echoes this when he says, why is it I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things that I know I'm not supposed to do? He's echoing this. I'm, I'm telling you, whether you want to admit it or not, we are at war and you can't ignore it and you can't pretend like it isn't true. 
But what you can do and what I'm challenging you to do is to declare the war is on. Oh, it's on. You see, Satan's already declared the war against you. And you can pretend it's not happening or you can, you can pony up, put on your armor, face him in the eyes and squarely run toward the battle. The war is on. It's time to declare war on that which is tearing you down, that which is infecting your life, on that which is causing you tremendous pain and tremendous frustration. Because when you struggle with yourself, it feels like you've fallen in the frigid ice water and you're unable to get out. You feel like you're out of control, like it's impossible to survive. You feel like you're going to die. Now, I don't know what battles you're facing in your life. There are so many that we could talk about. Maybe your battle is you're just a you're in a bad mood. Like, Oscar the Grouch is the friendly creature in Sesame Street for you. You're, like, in a bad mood. Like, you just are always in a bad mood. Uh, that needs to be addressed. The war needs to be on with your spirit inside of yourself. Maybe it's sexual temptation. Maybe it's anxiety. You're just always nervous and anxious. Maybe it's depression, you're downcast in your spirit. Maybe it's suicidal thoughts. Maybe it's you're numbing the pain in your life and you're doing it through a multiplicity of avenues. Maybe you're overeating or overspending or shopping, shopping, shopping. Or you're looking for validation in all the wrong places. If only I can get a few more likes on my post. But there are, all of these things are like empty carbs, aren't they? You kind of gorge yourself on these things, you shove them into your mouth, and you feel really good for a few minutes. But then after that, they just, it just leaves you feeling bloated and sick and lousy. And that's why I decided that in the last week of this year, which has been a pretty eventful year, has it not? And the first week of next year, which I can guarantee you is also going to be eventful. That it's time to take the gloves off and declare the war is on. And I want you to join me. Not in declaring war on me, because I got enough problems on my own. But, but I want you to declare war on the version of yourself that you don't want to be anymore. Yes. Let me say it again. I want you to declare war on the version of you that you don't want to be anymore. That version of you that you don't want to be anymore might be that angry version of you or that irritable version of you or that negative version of you or frustrated or that jealous version or insecure version or, or that, that fearful version. Maybe that hopeless version of you. It can't possibly get better. Maybe it's that, that addicted version of you or that lustful version of you, that sinful version of you. I want you to identify that person. Like, call it a name. In you, call it out. Name it. Like, I'm telling you, I want you to put a name to it because when you put a name to that version of you, you're on the road for it to no longer control you anymore. And then you gotta take that fool 
off the guest list and call it, listen, call it out when you're becoming that version of her or you're becoming that version of him that you don't want to be and you have to declare the war is on. And when you do, I am telling you that the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God will rise up within you. And that's when you begin to understand the truth that's found in Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 54, 17 that says, no weapon formed against you is gonna prosper. But it all starts with declaring the war is on. Somebody say that with me. The war is on. Say it at home. The war is on. The war is on. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was the 26th president of the United States of America. Here's a picture of Teddy Roosevelt. I always knew he was, he was famous, like he was, an, he was iconic. Uh, I, I knew that because he was one of the presidents but I really didn't know a whole lot about him. I just know that his picture hangs on Frank's office on Blue Bloods. Anybody watch Blue Bloods? And, and also that he was played by Robin Williams in the Night at the Museum. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Now you won't get that out of your minds the rest of this time. But when I read about President Teddy Roosevelt, I discovered that this guy is a legend. Here's a couple things I discovered about him. He was the first U.S. president to ever ride in a submarine. That's kind of cool. He was the first president to ever own an automobile. He was the first president to have a telephone installed in his house. He was the first president to win the Medal of Honor. He was the first president to win the Nobel Peace Prize. He was the first president, get this, to ever leave the country while he was in office. And where did he go? He went to a little, a little side job he had called the Panama Canal. And then you could read about that as well. But Teddy Roosevelt experienced profound, life-shattering loss in his life. You see, on Valentine's Day, the year 1884, he lost Valentine's Day. He lost both his wife and his mother in the same day. They died of two different diseases in his home on Valentine's Day, 1884. And he wrote... On that day, only one sentence in his diary, and we have a photograph of that entry where, where he wrote, the light has gone out of my life. He was in a very, very dark place, and you can only imagine. But I believe that God used that grief to cause him to go to the badlands of the West with a few of his Harvard friend classmates that he had, where he discovered, Teddy Roosevelt discovered the pioneering spirit, where he was toughened up in this season of his life. And there he met some men, some cowboys and some Native Americans. And together, these, this motley crew, can you imagine, these Harvard classmates and these cowboys and these Native Americans this ragtag group formed a group called the Rough Riders. Now, the Rough Riders, uh, well, this is a picture of the, of the Rough Riders. Teddy Roosevelt, in his grief-ridden state, took this ragtag group, this group of Rough Riders that you see in the picture, and they went to Cuba together to fight in the Spanish-American War. 
And history shows that this group was given one major task. And the major task that they were given was they were supposed to take a hill called San Juan Hill. They had to take that hill. And Teddy Roosevelt wrote in his diary entries about coming to a place where he had to make a choice. Here he is, lost his wife, lost his, his mother on the same day. Here he is, uh, he went out west and he got all toughened up and met this group of people. And he's now leading this group of people and finds himself in a war and he's standing. He's, listen, he's got to decide, am I going to fight or am I going home? Because he had a choice. And at the bottom of San Juan Hill, history records that there was a fence. And a part of that fence was laying down. Teddy Roosevelt stopped there, and this was the deciding moment in his life. He has this group behind him. He has the hill before him that he's been charged to take, and he's got to decide at this point, am I going to cross this fence and take the hill, or am I going to turn around and go home where there's safety and comfort? Because if I cross this fence, surely I'm going to be injured, possibly die, and I'm leading a bunch of men into battle that will be injured or possibly die. And Teddy Roosevelt had to make a decision at that point in his life. So he'd, he's behind this fallen down fence, and he realized to himself, if I cross this fence, there is no turning back. There is no retreat. There is no surrender. I am all in if I cross this fence. But if I don't, I am almost guaranteed safety and security in my life. If I cross the fence, I'm committed. I am exposed. But if I don't cross the fence, then I'm going to be safe and secure back at home. And when he decided to cross this fence and to charge over and to go up the hill, history records that his men found inside of themselves a courage that they did not know that they had. When they saw Teddy Roosevelt cross that fence, there was something that they recognized inside of him that they had never seen before, a grit, a toughness, a perseverance, a power that wasn't from him. Teddy Roosevelt recorded in his journal, in his diary, that it was at that point, at that point that he looked back for the rest of his life that he said, July the 1st, the year 1898 was the single greatest day of my life because I chose to cross that barrier, to cross that fence, and fulfill the mission, the mandate that was before me. And for many of you, you find yourself in a similar place in your life today. There is a fence that is before you. And, and it's in your way, and you need to make a choice. There is something that is holding you back 
from greatness, from happiness, from your f- fulfillment, from, from, from God's anointing, from, from your calling in your life. And don't misunderstand, it's not an actual fence. This is you. The fence is you. You're the thing that's blocking you from excellence in your life. It's, it's not Satan. It's not other people. Yes, probably work, definitely working against you, without a doubt. Likely working against you. Yes, maybe the one sitting next. I don't know about that. But absolutely, positively working against you is you. I'm not talking about self-help or find your, find your strength in yourself. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about find your help from the Lord. But if you, listen, it's you, and if you turn around and you go back to the version of yourself that you're comfortable with, I am no prophet, but I will prophetically declare over your life with extreme accuracy, nothing in your life is going to change. But if you step over this fence, much like 14-year-old David did when he saw the giant Goliath standing before him, you come at me with swords and billy clubs and, and bullets, and I come at you with the name of the Lord. I come at you with the arsenal of heaven on my behalf. And I will cross over when everybody else is shaking in their boots. And I will take you down. And let me just tell you this. I will cut off your head in front of everybody. And then everybody behind me, my family lineage, will follow me knowing that I stormed the gates of hell, believing that God was with me no matter what I was going through in my life. And I'm telling you what, there's a thousand reasons why Teddy Roosevelt could have gone back. Children is one. There's a thousand reasons he could have gone back. There's a thousand reasons you can go back to. I'm telling you what, you can come up with all kinds of excuses because you are your own worst enemy. Amen. And as you, as you lean into that just a little bit, I want you to know that if you cross the fence, what will happen to you is what happened to Teddy Roosevelt. He wrote in his journal, on that day, 1898, he said, I, I felt like once I crossed the fence, like a wolf was rising up inside of me, howling at the moon. <laughs> Come on, give me your best howl. Can you do that? Yeah, that was pretty good. Right on. I, you can't imagine how awesome that was, you at home. <laughs> and I am absolutely telling you, without a doubt, without any reservation or resistance in my heart whatsoever, that this book says the same thing will happen to you when you cross the fence, when you go across the divide, that something will rise up inside of you, and it is not a power of your own. It is a power that comes from the third person of the Trinity of Almighty God. The Holy Spirit of God is going to rise up inside of you. God has got power ready to rise in your heart as you engage in what I'm calling the fight of your life. So what I want to do is I want to draw two thoughts this morning, two thoughts out of this story. So if you've got a piece of paper, write it down. 
Thought number one, charge the hill. Charge the hill. In the battle, in Teddy Roosevelt's story, it was a battle for a hill called San Juan Hill. Um, I want you to kind of understand this a little bit more. Um, The battle is always for the high places. The battle is always for the elevated positions. When the enemy can take the high places and the elevated positions in your life, he has got an extreme advantage. And so he's going to go after the high places. And all too often, we'll be like, I'll just be giving you that one because I don't want any trouble. You can have my wife. You can have my kids. You're like, I don't say that. Well, you don't fight for them either. I'm not trying to make you mad or hurt your feelings. I want to inspire you to cross over the fence. In, in war, the fight is for the high ground, as it was at Bunker Hill. It was in Normandy. The high elevated positions uh, for the gun positions in France, as it was for San Juan Hill, as it is for your life as well. You see, you see almost 100% of the time, we think the problem is this when really that's not actually the problem. We have a way of distracting ourselves from the real issues because we're afraid of dealing with the real issues in our lives. That's why we like to point out, oh, he's just ruthless, or they just are nuts. When I kind of think this is where we need to sit for a little bit. Uh, no, and we don't want to do that because that, that re- requires introspection, introspective look inside of ourselves. And so it's time to deal with what the real issue is and declare the war is on. Bring it out into the light. I have an addiction. Bring it out into the light. I am judgmental. Bring it out. Call it what it is. I hate fill in the blank. Say it, because it's already been declared. Amen. Get it out of there. Just call it what it is. I am a hypocrite. I, I talk the talk, but I don't walk the walk. And then when you acknowledge the hill, the next thing you do, baby, is you charge the hill. Ah! You go, you face it head on. You go for it. Charge the hill. And my second thought is never, ever quit. Charge the hill and never, ever quit. How? How do I never quit, Troy? Because it's ruthless. It's unending. The loss is tremendous. The pain is astounding. How do I never quit? By persevering. What does that mean? Just show up. Keep showing up in the battle. Keep showing up at church. Keep showing up in prayer. Keep showing up in your marriage. Keep showing up as a parent. And when you fail, because you likely will fail, because you are not God, but when you fail, get back up again. Dust yourself off again and move forward. You charge the hill and you never, ever, ever quit. You go another round. This is, a, this is called a Leatherman knife. It's a, 
It's kind of a cool gadget. You've probably seen these before. On a Leatherman knife, it's, it's got pliers and it's got a, a, all kinds of knives and a files and, and this, look at this, this little saw so you can cut down firewood. I don't know for sure about that. But it's got all kinds of things, right? It's, it's kind of cool. It's called a Leatherman, a Leatherman knife. Tim Leatherman started the Leatherman Corporation. He had this idea for a pair of pliers that, that would also have a pocket knife attached to it. Now, in our current day, we're like, well, yeah, everybody's seen one of those or got one of those or heard of one of those, and it just makes sense. But at that point, it didn't exist. And he thought to himself, he said, you know what, I'm going to make it. But it was harder than he thought it was going to be to make this thing. And so he spent about three years working on it, engineering it with one failure after another failure after another failure for three years. Finally, after multiple applications, he was issued a uh, utility patent from the United States Patent Office for the first ever Leatherman knife. It was a happy day until Tim, Timbo is what I call him, until Tim tried to sell it and nobody would buy it. Nobody would buy this knife. Um, in addition to writing over 500 letters, he went to stores personally with the, with the, uh, uh, the models that he had. And he visited with managers and store owners and companies. And the 500 letters yield him 500 letters in response that were rejection letters. No one wanted to buy it because it was too much knife for the tool company and too much tool for the knife company. He had invested five years now of his life into trying to get this five years of his life and trying to get this product out there. He almost hung the thing up until a friend of his encouraged him to send out just one more letter. Everybody say one more letter. He sent that letter to a relatively new store called Cabela's. And they said, well, we don't really know what we're going to do with this thing, but we'll give it a test run. So they bought a, a few thousand for their stores. And it was such a smash success. And this multi-tool has since then generated consistently over one billion dollars every single year with something like 35 different models of the Leatherman knife and over 400 full-time employees in their corporation. It's such an absolute success story. And I think his story of eight years of perseverance is a great illustration of what it means to charge the hill is a great illustration of what it means to never, ever give up. Amen. Now, I could end the message right there, but that's not the rest of the story. How many of you would like to know about Larry and Chrissy a little bit more in the water? How'd they get out of the ice, Troy? I'm glad you asked. Just before they drowned, which they didn't, Larry, in this video that I was watching, talked about how he had felt his side. And he discovered, oh yeah, I got a pouch on my side. And he opened up that pouch and he pulled out his 
Leatherman utility knife. And he opened up those pliers and he dug those into the ice and he clamped on with all his might and he grabbed the hand of his wife and he lifted his wife out of that ice and he pulled himself up out of that ice and they found themselves safe and secure. And when I watched that, I'm like, yes! But it wasn't until the rest of the video that I really got inspired. When Tim Leatherman came on the video, shared his story of starting the company of the Leatherman Utility Knife. And now he had tried for three years. And he had tried for five more years. And over and over and over again, people were telling him just give up, give up on his dream. And he decided through the encouragement of another friend to write that one more letter to take that one more step. And when he did that, he was approved, not only approved, but he began to sell. And it turned out, if he would have given up, he would have wasted not only his life and his legacy, but two more lives would have been gone. Because had it not been for Tim Leatherman, not knowing who Larry and Chrissy were, had he not, had he given up, they would have died, surely. But had he not given up, since he didn't give up, two people to whom he had never met before had no idea what their story was are alive today. Turned out it wasn't just his life he was saving. And the reason you need to charge the hill and, and the reason that you need to never, ever, ever give up is because God is going to keep you alive. God is, I'm going to say it again, God is going to keep you alive so you can bless somebody else. And you may never meet them. You may never know them. Let me remind you, we are here for others. So here's what I want to do on this final Sunday of the year 2020. I've asked the team and I appreciate so much the help of our team to help me set this up up here and I've written something on the other side of this board it says I'm I'm charging the hill and I'll never quit I, I don't know what the hill is for you but you got to cross the fence of yourself so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to drag this thing back a little bit Oh, yeah, 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 I think this is going to be great. I'm going to move this thing a little bit over here so you can see it. And we're going to sing a worship song. And as we sing the worship song, you're going to get your little booty out of your seat. And you're going to walk up these steps over here. And you're going to cross the fence. And as you do, I want you to say, I'm charging the hill and I'll never quit. And then you find yourself going down those steps and go back to your seat and worship the Lord. And you're like, that is the weirdest altar call I've ever heard of in my entire life. You're welcome. And somebody said to me as I was setting this thing up, as we were putting this thing together, well, why didn't you just do it down there? Seems like it be, might be a lot more comfortable. Exactly. Because this stage, this platform, is multi-use, much like every other room in this building that we call the church. By the way, you're the church, not the building. But this stage, this platform, isn't, isn't just that. It's also the altar. It's the place that we shed our tears. It's the place that we, 
we come to worship God. It's the place that we plead and beg and, and ask and invoke the power of the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to actually come up on the altar today. Cross over today. Make your declaration known out loud today. And then leave the altar victorious today. You don't have to tell me what it is. I, I, I don't need to know that. God already does. But whatever it is, I'm going to ask that you come up here. No, be careful. There's no handrails. Come up here. And I'm charging the hill. And I'll never quit. And you cross over that thing. And you just, just kind of picture Teddy Roosevelt. That's the deciding moment. This is it. You're crossing over. You're crossing over yourself to get to a better version of yourself. And then, and then afterwards, you're going to call that old version of yourself out every single time that old version of yourself appears. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. I hope you'll take this challenge today. I hope you'll come across some of you. I just need to just, you need to be like, I am charging the hill and I'll never quit. You need to take some authority today. But this is your assignment as we worship the Lord for five or six minutes. You at home, you're like, how am I supposed to participate in this? Man, you can get up. You can get up right there in your living room. You can get up from your bed right now. You can throw a sheet down on the floor. I don't care what it is. Symbolically, I want you to cross over the version of yourself that you don't want to be anymore. And here's the deal. Everybody has a version of themselves that they don't want to be anymore. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word that will never return void. Help us as we take this initial step, God, today. Because we want, we, the war is on. But we want to declare it. We want to be in the driver's seat. Lord, not the enemy, not others. We want to take authority over ourselves. So we ask by the help of the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, you would minister to us in such a way that we'd recognize we can't do this on our own. It's not about fortitude. It's not about trying. It's about relying upon you. So we take this step trusting that you're going to meet us in a powerful way today. In Jesus' name, let's worship and let's respond. Who will be first?